In the name of God, the holy and undivided Trinity. Amen. One reason we observe Lent is to remind us that God's grace is not cheap. We see in this 40-day period what it costs God to make grace available to us. We focus on the humanity of Jesus in a way that we don't do in other seasons of our liturgical year. Because we must be reminded that the one we worship became as we are so that we might become as he is. I recall the story of a man who was a man of some means and he was curious about the homeless people in his town and he wondered what it was like to be homeless and so he decided to go and live among homeless people for a while but he knew that there might be some unforeseen circumstances and he wanted to be prepared so he took a hundred dollar bill and pinned it to the lining of his jacket Eventually, one of the other homeless men saw the $100 bill pinned to the man's jacket, and he told the others, and they rejected him because anybody who could go around with a $100 bill pinned to the lining of his jacket was not one of them. He was living a masquerade. He was not authentic. I tell you that story because it illustrates what we've often done to Jesus, We've pictured him in such a way that he has divinity sewn into the lining of his jacket so that he's not really up against the temptations and the trials and the troubles you and I face. In this view, he may have seemed to live our way of life, but really he wasn't one of us. When the chips were down, he had resources we don't have. Now, this view of Jesus isn't new at all. In fact, it was a view that was started among the Gnostics and others shortly after Jesus' death and resurrection. But it is not the Jesus of the Gospels. The Gospels tell us that Jesus was in fact tempted as we are. Our faith in Jesus is not supposed to protect us from the problems of life or to ensure that we will be able to keep our power or our wisdom or our riches for ourselves. On the contrary, our faith in him compels us to bear our crosses and to struggle with our temptations because he has shown us that if we want to experience life in the fullest, we have to recognize his redemptive presence in the midst of us and in the midst of the day-to-day -day lives that we live. Learning from Jesus how to live abundantly involves learning from him how to fight with temptation. If we desire to address any problem, isn't it helpful to begin by having some idea of the facts of that problem to begin with? So when we look at Jesus' struggle with temptation, we can take off our rose-colored glasses and recognize several realities that can undergird us in our struggle. And the first one is this. Life is not lived on a plateau. Life has valleys 
and high mountains and swiftly moving rivers and oceans and caverns. There is no way Jesus could have stayed out by the Jordan River where the Spirit of God descended on him and the voice spoke to him from heaven. There's no way Jesus and the disciples could have stayed on the Mount of Transfiguration. Life, to be life as we know it, has to have many, many textures. It can't be lived on a single plane. Great adventures usually begin in exhilaration. And that's what gets us started. But inevitably, there are times of trial. We encounter obstacles and problems and temptations that distract us. And we're tempted to strike out in anger or to quit or to postpone for the sake of momentary pleasure. But we see from Jesus' experience with temptation that we have to expect there to be problems and be ready to stand up to them with our vision placed firmly before us. Jesus didn't settle everything there in the wilderness during that period. St. Luke's version of the temptation of Jesus tells us, and when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Just because you have a good start doesn't ensure against problems. If we can have a realistic view of life's ups and life's downs, we enlarge the context in which difficulties appear, and it helps us to understand that life is not lived on a plateau. Also, the achievement of worthy goals is more important than momentary escape from life's pressures. I used to have a sign in my office that read, there's never enough time to do it right, but there's always time to do it over. <laughs> have you found that to be true in your life? Think of the wonderful friendships and the churches, the careers that have been lost because people put the pressures and the anxieties of the moment above the pursuit of something infinitely more valuable. Jesus knew who he was. And he knew what he was sent to do. Today, we might say that Jesus was a well self-differentiated person. When faced with temptations, he maintained a fierce loyalty to his identity, to his vocation, and to his mission. In doing so, as the incarnate God, he showed us that it is humanly possible for us to pass through the temptations that threaten to distract us from our vocation and from our worthy goals. Our goals must be established by great visions, compelling needs, and remarkable possibilities. And then our pursuit of those goals must be constantly guided by those realities. With temptations and distractions at every turn, it's important to learn this principle let the passion for the beauty and goodness of the end result determine your choices under the pressure of the moment. Don't give first-class loyalties to second-class causes. And then finally, the fight with temptation belongs to you. Nobody else can do it for you. God has given us the freedom to respond and the grace to be victorious 
God established this administrative policy in creation and consistently applies it even today. There is no force more powerful than God, and yet God does not force us to respond one way or the other in the face of temptation. But wait a minute. In the temptation of Jesus, as told by Mark and Matthew, angels came and ministered to him. Some might think those angels were like that $100 bill, a way out, something that Jesus had that we don't have. And it might appear that Jesus' fight with temptation was fought by someone other than him, those angels, for example. Well, I don't think so. I think it means that God never left him and God never let him be defenseless. I think it means that divine resources were available to Jesus so that he could persevere. And I believe those same resources are available to you and to me. I once asked my friend Rabbi Jimmy Kessler in Galveston, Texas, about the Jewish teaching regarding angels, he told me some fascinating things. But the thing I remember best is how he explained that angels are everywhere and God sends them in abundance. And then he told me there's a rabbinic saying that God has even appointed an angel to every single blade of grass. And the angel's job is to stand by its blade of grass and say, grow, grow, grow. I think that's a wonderful image. We just have to hear the voice of our angel encouraging us and strengthening us and imparting God's power and God's love to us, especially in difficult times or times when we're tempted to go in a different direction. It's vitally important that we recognize both the strength of our temptations and our limited strength in dealing with them on our own. Because only then will we begin to recognize our need and to understand what Jesus Christ does for us. It's not because we have won the battles of life that we're confident, but because Christ has been with us in those battles, helping us. It's not because we're so sure of our strength that we face temptation but because we're sure of his presence by us and his power available to us. To stare our temptation in the face and remain true to those lasting values that inspired us in the beginning is to open our lives to the power that preserves us. We call this process sanctification because exercising our wills in this way requires us to open ourselves up to rely upon divine grace. And that kind of partnership with God leads us to holiness and wholeness of life. Whenever we say, with God's help, I will, as we do in the baptismal covenant, we mean we are willing to respond to life's obstacles and frustrations and temptations in ways that will make it possible for God to do for us more than we alone can possibly do for ourselves. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever 
and forever includes those times when we're tempted not to be at our best or not to follow the vocation that God has entrusted to us. Your fight with temptation belongs to you, but you don't have to be in it alone, and that's good news. The one who has been tempted and did not succumb is here with you and will lead you and will lend you his strength and his power and his wisdom to make the right response. So here we are once again at the beginning of the season of Lent. We know that the glorious message of resurrection is at the other end of this season. And it's natural for us to want to just leap ahead. But our gospel for today reminds us that before the first Easter, Jesus was tempted and tested. Before the first Easter, he suffered and he died. In our lives, we would like to have Easter without the wilderness of temptation, without the Garden of Gethsemane, without the hill called Calvary, but we have not been promised that. What we have been promised is that when we are tempted, the grace of God will be available to us in abundant supply, and the angels of God will minister to us. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Please stand.